me being here today um, because finding him was not just finding a place to play drums or, you know, to be in a band. It was uh, getting my life on the course that God had set uh, for myself, for my wife and I, and um, I contribute so much. It's a great friend. I mean, we talk all the time, always feeding off of each other and blessing each other. And um, so I'm just honored to have uh, my friend, uh, Pastor Marcus, his wife, Meredith, little Jonah's next door doing his thing. And um, we're just, we've been blessed all weekend to have them hang out with us. And so I am blessed to present him to you today. He's going to bring a powerful word, dynamic. Uh, it's a wonderful speaker, and I believe you're going to get a lot. I believe you're going to get a, a lot of the word today, get a lot of truth today. And um, you know that, you know, we, we value this pulpit. We don't just put anybody up here. Um, and there's a gift that you'll receive today if you're open to that, and um, I believe it will be a blessing to you. So at this time, Pastor Marcus, if you would come, let's show him our appreciation for being here. Amen. Amen. How's everybody doing? Amen. Come on, that was a week. I said, how's, how's everybody doing? Amen. Dear Lord, this pulpit's huge. Either that or I'm short. Can I move it down? Is that okay? I kind of on the floor. Didn't we do that last time? Is that, is that possible? That way I can. I think we did that last time. It is 900 pounds. You need my arms? Boom. That's nice. Thank you. Amen. I work. Thank you so much. That's great. Amen. Thank you for able to flow. Amen. Well, it's an honor to be here. Um, it's an honor to be here. It really is. Um, you know, it is an honor, man, and uh, I just, uh, I love the church, and uh, not just this church, the church in general. I want just to kind of let you know, um, you know, uh, I've known your pastor and their wife for, I've known Pastor uh, Mark for over 10 years. You know, he's been my best friend for 10 years, and I'm not just saying that, he's been my best friend for 10 years. I, I saw, I met him in Ramah, I was in a band, and we needed a drummer, and, um, and, and it, was, it was just, you know, you, you think, you don't realize sometimes how God is leading you. You know, I just needed a drummer, but I didn't realize that God was adding a, a best friend and a, 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 a person who can sharpen iron together, you know. And uh, so 10 years ago, I met him and we've just hit it off. It's not just a friendship. It's a, as my mom calls it, it'd be a Godquidence. You know, that's a Miss Kreiner term. That's not a word, by the way, but it is today. God quidence. And so God brought us together. And so I'm just honored to be here. I love your pastors. Uh, they are the real deal. Know that they're not here just because, um, you know, they like Valdosta. They're here because God sent them here, you know. And so you are in the right church because they're I, I really believe that they're called here and there's an anointing for them here. And it's important to be where uh, a man of God is placed by God. You know, we don't want to say, oh, let's go to Valdosta. No, God will send you to the right place. And so, uh, you know, I, like I said, I've I've had many conversations with Pastor Mark, you know, in church, outside of church. We 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 lived together for years. Uh, he was my roommate a housemate, and uh, we've been through a lot together, and uh, he is the real deal. You know, he's a human being, but, you know, he's called. He knew he's called to do this since a little little age. You know, if you've seen the picture, he's a little preacher, if you've seen that. Here's a picture of him. And uh, so, you know, um, we're just honored to be here. I want to introduce my wife, if you could come up and show yourself off for a minute. Uh, this is my wife, Meredith, and uh, we've been married for how long? Uh, seven years. Seven years. And uh, which is the perfect number. But I just want to honor her and just welcome her and, you know, introduce her to you guys. She is, uh, you know, she's been chasing me since high school. And um, now, nah, but no, honestly, we, we, we're high school sweethearts. We, uh, you know, 
I was in a band and, and she, you know, you know, just, just thought we were the coolest thing and came to all of our concerts. Um, I'm kidding. But, uh, but anyways, God brought us together. We've been dating, like I said, we've been together for a very long time. Married for seven, but, you know, been in a relationship for about ten years. And um, it's an honor to be married to her. And so I honor her. And our little boy, Joan, if you haven't seen him, he's the good-looking kid over there. Um, you know, so I just want, you know, um, we're obviously from St. Augustine. Uh, I'm the worship pastor at Anchor Faith Church in St. Augustine, and my wife and I are the youth pastors. We took over the youth ministry about three years ago, and it has been uh, awesome and crazy at the same time. And so, um, anyways, that's a little bit about us. I'm going to pray because I believe God has a word for you this morning. And, um, amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We just give you the praise. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to fill this place as you're already here. We just welcome you. And I and I need you this morning. And I ask that your anointing would just continue to fill this place as I preach. And I just submit myself to you. Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, that we would all right now come with expectation, Father, that we would cast off what we have plans for today and forget about tomorrow, Lord. And let's focus on right now because you have a word for us right now. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. And I just, I thank you for the anointing upon me. I thank you for that anointing of the evangelist, Lord, that that's your calling and your gifting. And I pray that I would speak forth as you need me to speak this morning. And I just thank you, Lord, for that. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Come on. Everybody said, amen. You know, it is very important. Now this is all short, but I'll, I'll keep it. It's all good. Because, um, you know, it takes about four guys to move it. But, um. You know, it is um, it's imperative that we let the Holy Spirit have his way in services, you know, because if we come to church and the Holy Spirit doesn't have his way, then what are we doing? You know, I don't want to just preach. I don't want to just have a, a sermon. I thank God for this church because, you know, the, the, the area this church is moving, you know, it can be um, out of the normal, but it is completely normal in the kingdom of God because the Holy Spirit needs to have his way. And I thank God that we're parts of we're a part of churches that, man, we just say, Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. Yes, we have plans, but the greatest plan is what you want to do today. And I have a word for you. If you can accept it, um, God's uh, put a, a word in my heart and it's, it's burning. And, and I was up very early this morning walking around Pastor Mark's neighborhood. So if you got complaints about a weirdo uh, praying really loud, that was me um, because I was just so burning inside of me for what God has for you. Amen. Let me start off saying this. I'm here to tell you this morning that you have that. Um, that God has a plan for this world's chaos. God has a plan for this world's chaos. Anybody can agree that there's some chaos going on today. I mean, if you just turn on CNN, Fox News, I was on the computer last night and, 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 and I uh, looking at CNN, I try to follow that because, man, we are living in the last days, church. I mean, I don't have to say it, but if you just read Luke chapter 21, everything that, that Jesus said would happen before the last days is happening right now. Now, I know my mama said, Jesus is coming back when I was, you know, when she was growing up and your grandma said that. But it's just crazy that everything that Jesus said is happening, not just one of the things, but every one of the prophecies that Christ said would happen before his return is happening right now. I'm stirring our youth up in this right now because we need to be aware of the times, not in fear, but aware. Because, you know, this the, the, God has a plan for this world. Let me give you the definition of chaos. Come on, say chaos. Chaos is this. It's a state of utter confusion or disorder. A total lack of organization. Doesn't that kind of sound what's going on today? I mean, just look. Just look. You know, there's peace, and then there's war, and then we're going to do this, and we're not going to do this. And even in our own government, even in our own uh, wonderful United States of America, there can be disorganization and, and, and chaos. And like, hey, we're going to do this now. We're not going to do this. We're going to send troops, and we're not going to send troops, and now we're going to send them in again. And all these things are going on. There's chaos in the world, and it's not just in our states, but everywhere we go, there's chaos. But I'm here to tell you, God has a plan for the chaos. And it might not be how you think. 
Come on, say, I want to be changed today. See, listen, God started this whole world in order. Can we say amen to that? You know, you know over 2,000 years ago in Genesis, the Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, you know, and, and we won't go too far in that. But you, we know that everything was created in order. It was perfect. There was the sun. There was the stars. And it was great. And on the seventh day, God rested. There was wonderful order. But something happened in Genesis chapter 3 that caused some chaos. And we know that, that in Genesis chapter 3, that's where the, the enemy or the devil comes in on the scene. The Bible says he was more cunning than all the beasts that, that God created. And he came in. And remember, God said at the beginning, now, listen, you shall not eat of this fruit. Now, I know where I'm at today. I'm in church, so if I can paraphrase, I, I feel like you, you understand where I'm going. Amen. Um, you know, we've got to know our crowd. But, you know, so the devil comes in and tempts Eve. Remember, God says, don't eat. And in Genesis chapter 3, the devil says, well, no, you can eat. Because what God really meant was, you know, if you eat it, you're just going to know good and evil. And see, God never said that. God, God said, don't touch. Don't eat. Don't even think about it. Don't even look at it. Avoid it. Just don't eat. Don't touch. Well, the, the devil comes in. And as you know, the story, he... You know, manipulates Eve. You know, the crazy thing about sin is that, you know, sin will always promise something that leaves you empty. Sin always promises something. Sin promises security. Sin promises happiness. Sin, um, uh, cause, uh, sin, um, not causes, I'm sorry. Sin can, uh, seem that, you know, there's something more, but then when you enter in that sin, you realize it's just a bag of holes. The Bible says a, a man, if you, you know, a man in Proverbs, you know, if, if you commit the sin of adultery, it can seem appeasing and she can look all good. But the Bible says at the end, your mouth will be filled with gravel, which means it could be like, oh, man, she's looking good. But the Bible says don't follow that because in the end leads death. And so Eve is, is, is it, the devil manipulates Eve and tells her, you know, the story and she eats. Right. And then gives it to her husband, Adam, and he eats. And then um, the Bible says that the eyes were open and they realized they were naked. That's a problem. You know, and so the Bible says they won and they grab some fig leaves and they cover. See, because when you get in sin, sometimes you try to cover yourself up. See, you need God to clear you up, but we try to cover some things up and say, I'm in sin. But see, God can see through your covering up. And so um, nothing fools God. It's like growing up and thinking, Mom, how do you know that I did that? She's like, because the Holy Spirit will tell me. You know, you can't ever get, you know, it's crazy when your mom and dad start reading your mouth. You're thinking, you don't know. The Holy Ghost knows. And so they sin, God comes in, and chaos happened. In other words, God said, here's a plan, and all of a sudden the enemy comes in and chaos happened for the first time in eternity. Chaos happened. Genesis chapter 3.15, if you go there. So chaos happened, but the cool thing about God, when chaos happens, God has a plan. Come on, say, he's got a plan. And see, I want to tell you this morning that God has a plan for the chaos, but it might not be how you think. Because God has a plan. And so Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, uh, you know, God is so awesome. He says this, and I will, you know, he, he confronts the devil because sin just happened and he just found out what happened. In verse 15, he says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Oh, we got it up here nice. And it says, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Well, come on, who is that he? Who is that he? Jesus. Let me, let me circle this right here with my finger. He. He shall bruise your head and you shall... Crush, bruise his heel. In other words, at the very beginning of chaos, immediately God had a plan. He said, listen, I'm going to send my seed. It's called Jesus. When all everything goes crazy, devil, you might have thought you've won, but I'm going to send my son and finish this thing out. So we see in Galatians 4, 4. This is my intro, by the way. So because uh, I want to build because I, I felt very led to go in this way because you need to realize there's a plan for the chaos. And it says in Genesis, I'm sorry, Galatians 4, 4, if you got it. Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son and born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law 
that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So the Bible says that the fullness of time, God sent his son, Jesus. And that's where we get, you know, John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know that verse. But it says that in the fullness, in other words, when it was ready, God sent his son, Jesus. Okay, so Jesus comes on the earth, and you know, when Jesus showed up, you know, for his three years of ministry, man, he was turning the world upside down. I mean, people had never heard this man before. They're saying, who is this dude? I mean, he has such authority. He's laying hands on the sick. They're recovering, turning water into wine, multiplying fish. I mean, they've never seen anything like this before. He had such authority, and you saw that so, you know, and it says this on Acts 10.38, Acts 10.38. Acts 10.38 says this. You can look up there if you got it. It says... But look how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good. Come on, say good. Healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now, we're not going to go into everything that Jesus did, but you need to see this. that There was, a, there was order. The devil brought chaos, but immediately God had a plan. Amen. God had a plan, and the plan was Jesus. Well, everything's good. Jesus is, man, I mean, his ministry's growing. I mean, people are, you know... You know, people love him. People hate him. He's got, you know, he's very popular, very popular. And all of a sudden, then Jesus starts talking about leaving this earth. You're thinking, thanks, dude. You know, all of a sudden now you're the light. You know, we're following you. Lord, I'll send you everywhere. You know, I'll go with you everywhere you want me to go. But Jesus says, wait a minute, I, I'm leaving. You think, what's your problem, man? I mean, you are the answer and now you're leaving. Why are you playing with my heart? Even to the point where he said, you know, I'm going to be crucified. Remember Peter? What did Peter do? He said, no, 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 may it never be. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. You know, his disciples loved him and he loved them, but he realized, I'm leaving. The whole point is not for me just to stay and have Jesus ministries on the earth. It's for me to do something and I got to go. Come on, say there's a plan. And then we'll... uh, close this chapter in Mark 16, 15. You don't have to go there. Just write it down because we're going to go to it later. I'm going to explain that verse. But Mark 16, 15 is called the Great Commission. So Jesus' ministry, he is just turning the world upside down. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that at the end of Mark 6, 15, that he's a, he, he, he gave the Great Commission and then he ascended up into heaven and left. Right? You know, go into all the world, preach the gospel. He did all this, got his troops together. And the Bible says then he ascended up into heaven and left. Well, what do we do now? I mean, Jesus is God. What are we going to do? I'm still here to tell you there's a plan. And God has a plan for this chaos. And here's the plan. Go to Colossians 1.26. I want, this is where I want to start today. Come on, say, God has a plan. God has a plan. So, order happened. Chaos happened. God had a plan. He sent His Son, Jesus. Jesus brought the kingdom back. Jesus brought His Spirit so that we could have reconciliation with God again, right? He's, remember, He brought the order because He said, I am the way. Come on. I am the truth. I am the life. If you, you know, come after Me. He was establishing order. He went about, you know, He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. He was bringing things back in order. And then He leaves. But here is the cool thing. Colossians 1.26, it says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from all generations... But now has been revealed to his saints. Verse 27. Come on, look. Let me read that again. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and all generations. Remember, the Bible says the fullness of time. Why did God send Jesus when he did? I don't know, but I guess it was the right time. You know, sometimes you're thinking, God, why don't you come through? But do you know that God is never early and God's never late? God has blessed me and my wife with so many things. And if it was up to my watch, it would have been a lot sooner. But sometimes God just wants to see how you're going to react. You know, God's not a microwave God. You know, in Jesus' name, I need $10,000 now. Boom. Oh, 
Gee, look at this. No, sometimes God wants to see your faith. Amen. So the mystery which has been hidden from ages and all generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Verse 27. Come on. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Here we go. Here we go. Which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Come on. I said God has a plan for this world's chaos. And guess what? It's you. You are the plan for God's. You are the plan for mankind. Come on. Turn to them and say you are the plan. You're probably thinking, oh, geez. But seriously, you are the plan. You are the plan. Listen, let me tell you this. God has no other plan for mankind but you. Jesus is not coming back to uh, reestablish the kingdom. He has died. He is risen. He is sitting at the right hand, hand of God. He will come back at one point. Amen. He will split the clouds and he will come back to uh, uh, the rapture and bring his saints back. But other than that, you are the plan for this world. And see, so we got to get our eyes off Jesus and say, God, Jesus, do something. God is saying, why don't you do something? Because my Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. And I'm here to tell you, Anchor Faith Valdosta, you are the plan for this city. It starts with you. That's what God wanted me to tell you this morning, is that it starts with you. It starts with you. You want change? You be the change. You want to see revival? You bring revival. We can pray for God, but God says sometimes you just got to get out and do something. And so many times you say, oh, God, I wish you'd do something. And God is saying, I wish you would do something. I've given you my spirit. I've given you my love. I've, I've given you my authority. I've given you my power. I mean, I, you are the plan. God is saying, there is no plan B. You are it. I mean, you are my plan. See, Jesus died and left it up to us. He left this thing up to us. Now, we understand we are not Jesus Christ. Hear me. I'm not saying you're going to die on the cross. No, no. But we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which means that we are like him on this earth if we are born again. And that means that the same way Jesus walked, you can walk that way. That'll change your jobs, won't it? That'll change your families. And see, um, let's keep going. So this morning, if you like my intro, this morning, I want to stir you up that you are the hope of the world. You are. You are the hope of the world. Come on, say I'm the hope. And it sounds like, oh, preacher, man, you're saying that Jesus ain't the hope. No, Jesus is the hope. But the Bible says the mystery is that Christ is in you. So Christ is in heaven. Christ ain't, Jesus ain't walking around your jobs anymore and say, hey, I'm Jesus. That'd be kind of weird. Jesus ain't walking around your schools, but he can walk around in your schools if you let him through you. Because the mystery was the whole is to get Christ in you. So you say, man, I want my family to change and I'm praying. Well, God says, you bring the change. Because listen, let me tell you this. You are preaching sermons everywhere you go. Good or bad. You are a living book. You are an open book. And one, one uh, rapper, uh, I listen to Christian hip-hop, you know, because I like it. And, um, and, and he has this one album called Open Book. Your life is an open book. You say, man, I don't preach. No, I'm not saying maybe you're going to get up here and preach a sermon, but you're preaching a sermon by the way you treat people every single day. You're preaching a sermon when you show up late to work. You're preaching a sermon when you talk about your boss. You're preaching. And you say, man, Jesus, show up. Jesus saying, I'm trying. Because you are the hope. You are the hope. I want to encourage you this morning. You are the change that this world needs. It's Christ in you. And, and we're very dependent upon Christ. Don't think, oh, we don't need God. No. Christ in you. See, Christ wants to live through you and in you. The Bible says that we would live and move and have our being in Him. So how are we supposed to do this? I'm going to help you out. Go to Matthew 5.13. Baby, can you grab my, um, my hanky? It's my briefcase. Is that what we call it nowadays, a hanky? Come on, you are the hope, church. You are the hope. 
And listen, and I say that very humbly because we need Jesus Christ. But what Jesus needs is he needs people to just know that he is in them. Because Jesus gets out when you let him out. He's not walking through the wall. He's not walking in our cities anymore. He's walking through you. Through you. Amen. So Matthew 5.13. Matthew 5.13. This is the Sermon on the Mount. It says this. You are. Come on. He says you. Now, this, now Jesus is talking to you. He says you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Here we go. Verse 14. He says you. You want to underline or if you got iPads, highlight, circle, whatever you do in your Bibles. You are the light of the world. You are the light of this world. Notice Jesus didn't say, I'm the light of this world. Now remember again, we need Jesus. But we need believers who know that Jesus is inside of them. And he says, you are the light of this world. He said, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16. See, this is what Jesus is saying. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good word, your good deeds, and glorify who? Your Father in heaven. See, Jesus has no problem with you being seen. I'm going to say it again. Jesus has no problem with people knowing your name. I tell this to our teenagers all the time. People at your school need to know your name. Everybody should know your name, but for the right reasons. See, we don't want to be known as that one girl, you know, because we all know that one girl or that one guy. See, that's not how we want to be known. But we should, people should know our name. Not, not, not that this is a popularity contest. No, 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 no. But the Bible says that if we, you know, because obviously our heart is that he would increase and we would decrease. But the Bible says you are the light of this world and the light needs to be seen. Remember that little scripture, you know, the song, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. So verse 16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your, your father in heaven. Number one, God wants you to be seen. Write that down. God wants you to be seen. God wants you to be seen. But number two, he wants you to represent him in your seeing, in your being seen. So God doesn't want you just to be known for, you know, oh, there's that one person or, or that one guy. No, no. Or that one guy goes to church. No, no. God don't just want you to be known as someone who goes to church. God wants you to be someone who represents him. Him. Everywhere you go. And let me just help you. You know, this is just, this is Anchor Faith Valdosta, but you are the church. The church is not a building. The church is you. And so you want to see this city grow? You want to see this church grow? My challenge to you is take the church to them. See, so many times you say, oh, I've got to bring that person to church and get them saved. Why can't you bring the church and get them saved yourself? Now, bring them to church. They need to be in church. The Bible says don't you know, forsake the assembly. We need to be in church. But you are the church. And we have to learn to take the church to them. Because Christ, because you are the hope of glory. Christ in you, at your jobs, with your family, with your friends, in Publix. Yes, even in Publix. Everywhere you go, in the checkout line, when that lady is so slow. Because your patience will preach to her. Or your attitude will preach to her. See, we don't want to be known for the, we want to be known for the right reasons. And Jesus, listen, Jesus wants people to know your name. Your neighbors need to know your name. I was praying about this specific service and God didn't tell me who, but God said, there's somebody here this morning who I've been dealing with them to reach out to your neighbor and you need to do it and you know who that neighbor is. And that's all I got. Not like a, a bad thing, but you, there's, you, there's something you, you realize there's that neighbor. In other words, your neighbor on your street somewhere. 
And God is saying, you need to reach out to that person. In other words, do what you've been feeling you need to do. Because you are the light to them. Felt that very strong. And I was like, Lord, is that, is, that, is that for them? And he said, yes. I got that, you know, three days ago. So if that's you, you need to be obedient because, man, God wants you to be a light everywhere you go. And so you have this opportunity to show Jesus to the world. You do. But how? Let me say this. The way God's light can shine happens in two ways. The way you respond to people. I'm sorry. The way God's light can get out happens in two ways. By the way you deal with situations and the way you treat people. Those two ways the light of Christ can get out. You say, man, I'm the light of the world. How am I supposed to do that? By the way you treat people and by the way you handle situations, you're preaching. You're preaching. You're preaching. You say, how's this light supposed to get out? It's going to get out by the way you treat people. That sounds really shallow. No, no, no. The Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. And did you know that when you love people the way Jesus loved people? Because remember the Bible says there's a woman caught in the midst of adultery. And you could have stoned her, but he loved her and he forgave her. But he said, go and sin no more. He said, man, how am I supposed to be the light? My question is, my challenge is, is, how are you treating people every single day at your jobs? How are you treating your spouse? How are you treating your kids? How are you treating your coworkers? You say, man, is, is that really needed? Yeah, absolutely. That's how Jesus Christ gets out. Because sometimes they don't want to hear your sermon. And sometimes they don't want to hear about your Jesus. They want to see your Jesus. And so many times, see, that's why I don't feel like you have to have a sermon. No, no, no. Just live the sermon. Just live the sermon. Well, you know, well, God said you've got to repent. Well, just live it. One, one, um, one, I don't know who this guy is, um, unknown author, but it's phenomenal. He said, you know, preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. And so many times you think, oh, man, I can't preach. I don't, I don't went to Bible school. Live your life, the principles of the kingdom of God, and that is preaching to them. When you're patient with people, when you love them as Christ did, when you forgive them, when you have a, 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 a respectful attitude, when your boss treats you like junk and you still love and respect them, you're preaching. That's why the Bible says we're salt. And see, we, we, we can't think, oh, I don't know my scripture. You are the scriptures. You are the scriptures. You are the hope of this world. Listen, I've already said, but you are preaching a sermon every day and everywhere you go. And if we can't get this, then we're not going to see revival in this city. Because sometimes people are not going to come through these doors, but they're going to see you in public. I mean, we want people to fill this church. Don't get me wrong. And we want people to fill our church. But we realize there is just some people that's not going to come here. But that's why God maybe have you at your job for a specific reason, so that you can bring the church to them. We've got to bring the church to them. And, think, and we want them to come. But if they don't, the question is, they, can, they, they should not get a lesser service at your, at your job. You follow me? Thank God for the church, man. But we have to take the church to our schools. FCA, come on. Take it. You say, man, give me opportunity. Listen, listen, people. There is opportunity all around us. There's opportunity every second. Nobody listens to me. People are listening to you. People are watching you. People are listening for you. People are looking for hope. People are looking for truth. Nothing's changed. And they're looking for Jesus in this world. And Christ says, you are Jesus to them. And you can be the hope of glory because it's Christ in you. Come on, say in me. Okay, so let's go to um, Mark sixteen fifteen. I know we were just there, but let's read what Jesus said again before he left this earth. You know, our way of life, listen, our way of life should be so glaringly obvious to this world. You know, if I flip off all these lights, well, right, not now because there's light out. But it, if it was dark in here and we flip the lights on, would it be very obvious if I, if, if, if I struck a match? You can't hide a light. Light will be seen. Light will be seen. 
Mark 16, 15 says, Go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Which, by the way, those are the last, record, those are the last uh, written records of Jesus Christ before he left the earth. You know, when you're about to die and leave the earth, there's probably what, the last thing you say is pretty important. Maybe one of your relatives have passed away and they brought you close on their deathbed. Usually their last things are pretty important. This was the last conversation Jesus had before he left the earth. He said, go and make disciples. Preach the gospel. So God is pretty concerned about the world. God is pretty concerned with your co-workers. God is pretty concerned with your family that don't know God. God is absolutely concerned with them. Go on to all the world. Well, how? What does that mean? You know, because the world's a big place, right? I mean, the world's a big place. But you know, I, think, I thank God for Jesus. He's very simple. You know, what Jesus meant was this, is go into all of your world. That's what Christ meant when he said go out and all the way. Because, you know, I, you know, we went to India last year. And, but that doesn't mean I have to go to India and Africa and Asia and all. No, no, no. I have to go into my world. What's your world? Your world is your sphere of influence. That's your world. How many people work a job? Come on, it's okay. Don't be shy. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You all work a job. Okay. One more time. How many people work, work a job? How many people don't work a job? Great. Did you know that every one of us has a sphere of influence? In other words, a sphere of influence of those around you that listen to you. God is saying you have to go into that world every single day and bring the gospel to them. You say, man, Lord, use me. God is saying, are you kidding me? I'm trying to use you every single day. And we look for the, oh, God, send me here. And God is saying, what about your coworker who's lost right now? What about your family member who's who's bitter? And see, God says, send it on to your world. And when you're faithful with that, God will send you somewhere else. But we have to... And it, because if you think about it, Jesus doesn't want just Pastor Mark or me just to go everywhere because we can't do everything. We have to infect those around us. You know, for three years, my world was Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I moved to Florida ten years ago to start the church with our pastor. Ten years, I, I went to high school, went to Bible school, and two weeks later, I moved and I lived with Pastor Earl. And I lived in their garage. It was like a converted... Don't, it's not that bad. It's like a converted house, you know, apartment thing. And then Pastor Mark came. Shortly after that. But the point is, is that the church couldn't pay me. Okay, so I was like, well, I need to work a job. I worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car for three or four years. I was a manager. Guess what? That was my world. And we look at that and say, oh, man, there's nothing. Listen, for those of you going to work tomorrow, that's your world. My question is, what are you doing with that opportunity? Are you blowing past and saying, well, I can't wait till God uses me someday? We're all going to stand in front of God one day. He's going to say, you had so much opportunity, you blew it. I'm not here to sound hard, but I want to encourage you. We've got to be aware that there's so much opportunity around us every single day to make influence. And God's going to hold us responsible for that. Because I was that enterprise rent-a-car. And I could be like, oh, man, this is stupid. I'm supposed to be a preacher. But why am I renting cars? And, and I'm, you know, I'm working all these stinking hours. And I'm with people that are lost and they cuss and they drink and they talk about all these things. But God, isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, listen, Jesus came from heaven to be with us. Don't you think he thought like that? Are you serious? I'm, I was in heaven. I had everything. The streets of gold. People love God. I come down here and they hate me. And they talk about me. And they call me that. They tell me I'm demon possessed. And they steal from me. I got, I got my own dudes stealing out of my money box. And, and, and they talk about me. And they don't understand it. And, they, and they're just not. You know, Jesus' disciples didn't have it going on. You know what I'm saying? They weren't superheroes. I mean, they were just dudes that fishermen. And they had attitudes. And they had drama. But guess what? Jesus wasn't afraid of dramas. You shouldn't be either. God, send me some sanctified holy people. No, you're at your job and you're there to be an influence because they need God. And we shouldn't be scared of drama and sin and sex and, and bad language. Now, we can have standards and say, listen, I don't do those things. and We don't accept those things. But sinners are going to sin. 
And sometimes we get so holy and be like, bless God, you're, I'm a preacher, man. Shut up. Love them and watch them. Love them. Love them. Love them and be patient with them. And, and, and pray with them and be a blessing to them. And, and, and you will win them. When they won't come to church and come to your four-day four camp meeting, they don't know what that is. But they know who you are. And if you would be different, if you see life as an opportunity, not as a, oh, it's Monday. We've got to quit that, folks. You have divine opportunities tomorrow to take the church to them. Oh, I can't wait. To, I'm, I'm praying to get them to church. And they need to come, but are you praying to be the church to them? Are you praying for a miracle? Or are you saying, God, I am this miracle for their life. I am the miracle. I am God. And God, when I go in that building, God shows up in that building. You need to, I used to say this to myself all the time. When I rent cars, Jesus Christ is renting cars to people. When I talk to them, God is talking. When I lay hands on them, God is laying hands on them. When I, when I, uh, when I you know, set the schedules in the office and have the order, God is in that place. Why? Because God is in me. And it doesn't mean, again, I'm not God, don't worship me. But listen, I should be just like Him on this earth. And people should notice there's something different about you. There's something just, I don't know what it is. And it's so cool because now I'm able to, I have a gentleman who, who was my assistant manager. I hired him and he wanted nothing to do with God, but I could tell he was curious. And now he's calling me and God is speaking to him. I mean, it blows me away. He's saying, I'm having dreams about Jesus. I was driving down the road and Jesus uh, was in the car seat and he was like, like, kind of like asking me to follow him. He's like, what does that mean? I'm thinking, Jesus is trying to talk to you. And, and we look for these opportunities and, and I want to just wake us up this morning and say, there's so much opportunity out there right now. We are supposed to be the salt and the light of this world. We are supposed, and it's not by how you preach. Because they don't care about you. What they care is about, do you know truth? And are you, is, is this thing real? Well, you know, I know, I know scriptures and I know Bible verses and be them. I know it's not a scripture, but people don't care how much you know. They, you know, that you've heard that. They care about how much you care about them. And people flock to Jesus. Why? Because he loved them. Don't, don't, be, don't be shy to hang out with and, and, and be like, well, they cuss and stuff. They need your light. Not that we should be hanging out with people that are bringing us down. I'm not saying that, but sin shouldn't shock you. God lives inside of us. The greatest example, a woman was sleeping around and brought him to Jesus. And Jesus could have said, you could have called her everything. But he said, I don't condemn you. He didn't accept her sin because he said, go and sin no more. So it shows that there's a standard to live for God. But he said, I don't condemn you. I forgive you. See, that lady just saw the light of God. Amen. Come on, man. Your sphere of influence. And I'm telling you, when you're faithful with those around you, God will send you more. The great, the worst, the, one of the greatest tragedies in life is for a believer to say, God, send me to the nations and use me. And God is saying, when you're faithful with the people that you go to work with every single day, I'll send you more. We all want the limelight. We all want to sometimes want to be used in these great and glorious moments from God and God. But God is saying, are you kidding me? What about tomorrow? For those of you who go to job tomorrow, what about the opportunity you have tomorrow to be the light? To share the light, the light of God. Because when you're faithful in the little, come on, you'll be faithful with much. And ministry is not a, ministry is an honor. I'm not up here because I like to preach. I, I'm up here because, man, I, I'm really with all my heart trying to follow God. And I love Him. And I, and I want to repent. And I want to be changed. And I want to be different. And I want people to see God in me, not me. Because I struggle. I said, God, I want you to be seen, but I don't want people to see me. But God said, no. Well, the more you shine like me, the more glory I will get. And that's why He doesn't need you to be timid and be fearful. 
I'm getting ahead of myself, but you know that scripture that says in 2 Timothy, for God has not given you a spirit of fear? Did you know that has everything to do with the sharing your faith? I never saw it. It has nothing to do with just, ooh, spooky things. And yes, we can use it. But the next scripture, he said, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the gospel of Christ. Right after verse 7, verse 8, Paul was talking to Timothy. He said, don't be ashamed of it. In other words, God has not given you a spirit of fear. In other words, you can be bold to live out this gospel out in the streets. You can be bold in your street. You can be bold everywhere you go because God is the Christ. Christ is inside of you. And where you go, God goes. You are the hope of this world. Jesus is standing there saying, opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. And God is sending you out. You are the church, church. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Where you go, God goes. Where you go, God goes. We've got to get revelation of that. Because that will make your day exciting. That will make Mondays turn into fun days. I mean, that will make everything seem exciting. You think you're born, your life is... I'm telling you, start evangelizing. Start sharing the love of God. Start laying hands on the sick and watch them recover. That will change your week. Nobody listens. Bull, everybody's listening to you and watching you. They're wanting to see, is this thing real? And how bold is our world? They're so bold. Look at pop culture. It's disgusting. The world is so bold, but how much more bolder should we be? Lady Gaga should not get all the attention. Right? Who is that? Don't worry about it. But I'm a youth minister, right? So I got to kind of keep up. Not that I listen to it, but I want to know what my teens are, what's what's in their stuff. But our world is so bold, and how much more should we be so much more bold in the kingdom of God? When they say, you know, uh, homosexuality and, and, all, and, and sex before marriage is okay, should we not stand and say, no, there was a standard. Even though I love you and I care about you, but there was a better way. Right. And we can't be like, oh, you sick. No, we should love them and show them the kingdom of God. Because yes. righteousness, peace, and joy, right? And it's not just, you know, you, know, you sorry sinner. No, you, you are a sinner, but, but you know what? Here's the thing. This is where we fail a lot of times, church. We see people and who they are, but we don't see them who they can be. Because it says in Romans that Christ died for us when we were yet sinners. And some of you say, oh, you're such a sinner and you're such a, you know. Oh. But God says, you are sinning right now, but guess what? I can see through that and guess what you can be. There's potential here. See, the reason I left youth ministry when I was a teenager because I had piercings. I had multicolored hair. I was in bands. I loved God with all my heart. I was sold out to Christ. But I look like a punk. That's who I was. Thank God you don't have pictures up here. You know, I mean, I had piercings. That, that was back then. But here's the thing is that, and I, and I went to concerts and I hung out with everybody. And I, I just looked like the person you're thinking, he needs Jesus. But I love God. I wasn't hooked on drugs. I never drank, never smoked. My wife and I married virgins. And uh, we loved God. We weren't perfect. But, you know, I looked different. And my previous youth pastor treated me by the way I looked. And it, and it, 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 it made me want to leave the church. Because he was, he was seeing me by who I looked like and who I was on the outside. He didn't see, you know, he might have some craziness going on and some draw, you know, look kind of strange. But is his heart right? And see, people are going to look kind of, you know, but we got to look past that. And say, you know what, you might be involved in some drama. Because people are going to come to you with their problems, just like they did Jesus. But Jesus didn't say, get up. No, Jesus said, there's potential in here. There's potential in here. Yes, you might be going through some stuff that's crazy, but I see through that. And I can work with this. I can work with this. And that's why, man, people should be flocking to you. Come on, church. we got to start going out and be the church. And it starts with us. And we bring the revival to this city because this church isn't dead, but your city is. You know, we don't want to say, Lord, send revival. I, I pray, Lord, send revivals to your jobs. Send revivals to the schools. Send revivals in your family. Send revivals. Uh, and thank God for the church. But the church is a living organism. We're not dead. We'll get there. Because here's the thing. 
Most of y'all aren't going to be called to full-time ministry, and that's okay. You know, you might not be called a prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor, bishop. You might not be called that, but we all have the responsibility to preach. Every one of us. Everyone, even ushers, every one of us. Sound men, mamas, daddies, grand, we all have the responsibility to preach. We all do. Some might preach like us with exhorting. But even us, we have to preach when we're off this stage by the way we live. That's why I, count, I mean, that's why we have to be accountable to each other. And, because, man, you know, I, I'm human just like you are. But I got to realize if I'm going to be up here and God's going to use me, God has to be able to use me in here, out down here. So let me just say this. For those of you who can praise and worship in here, you better be praising and worshiping God at your jobs. Right. Don't just be praising him. and Oh, God is so good. God is for me. And the Monday happens. You're like, oh, just, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. You sound just like them. Come on, we should be different. Right. And if we're going to praise him in here, we got to praise him out there. If we're going to be excited about God in here, we have to be excited about God in here because when we do that, people can say, whoa, there's something different about this man. And it's not just that he's on Prozac or he's on an upper. No, no, he's really different. Come on, that's how we preach to people. They don't want to hear your sermons. They want to see your lifestyle. They want to see your love. And they want to see your patience. And I'm telling you, the more you live it day in and day out, they will say, what is different about you? Opportunities. Come on, say opportunities. Opportunities. Every place we go is an opportunity to share the love of God. Every place we go. Every place we go. Sunnies. Yes, even sunnies. Those of you who like sunnies. See, Colossians 4, 5. Colossians 4, 5. You guys doing all right this morning? I want to encourage you and stir you up and shock you a little bit today because, man, God wants to use you. Colossians 4, 5. It says this. It says, Colossians 4, 5. It says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. You know, it didn't say you should condemn them and talk about how bad they are. It says you should be wise how you act towards outsiders. In other words, people who don't come to church, your, your co-workers who need Christ. You should be wise on how you act. Why? Because, and he says, make the most of every opportunity. Come on, that's good. Make the most of every opportunity. Redeem in the time. See, so many times we're looking for opportunity and we're missing the opportunity. We're looking for, God, use me here. And God's saying, there's opportunity everywhere you go. There was an opportunity last night on a walk, and I actually tried to make the opportunity, but the guy walked away from me. This kid skateboarding around his neighborhood. I went on a prayer walk last night, and hey, I used to skateboard, and I still do. I did it for years and loved it, and I noticed, you know, uh, <clears throat> he was skateboarding. I tried to make some conversation with him. Why? Because I want to make the most of every opportunity. I want to practice what I preach. Well, he didn't respond to me and walked away, but I still have the responsibility to preach. And people might not accept the way you are, but we still have the responsibility to love them and be led when the Spirit of God says, you go talk to that person. No, I can't. No. no matter how they treat you. Because Jesus was sent by God. And sometimes we're looking for a response, but sometimes we just got to go and love people and talk to them. Even if they spit in your face, that's why the Bible says if, if they don't accept you, just dust the, uh, dust, the, dust the dust off you and go to the next city. And some people aren't going to want to hear it, but we still have the responsibility to, to speak when God says speak. Because you all know there's been that thing when God says, you need to talk to that person. And we override that. We got to quit that. Because that is, man... That's the Spirit of God trying to get out and make influence in your world. In your world. We all have a world. See, God is not necessarily looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. God will use you. That's why I tell my teenagers, God will use you even at a 12-year-old. God don't care about how you look on the outside. God cares about your heart. And if you'll just be obedient, God will send you across this world. 
Come on, I'll say that again. If you can just be obedient and step out when God says step out and love people when God says you need to love them and, and, and encourage them or go to their house, make them a meal, pay for their gas, pay for their groceries, just, just be with them, set with them. Whenever you just follow those promptings. They have a church over there. It's awesome. Again, God's not looking for your ability. Moses had no ability. Most of the people in the Bible that was used by God were people that you would think, no, no chance. And the people that had everything, King Saul, who looked good, talked good, was very tall, was great with the people, God said, no, it's hard for him. I'm not using him. And see, God will, use, God will use us. If God could use a donkey, God can use us. Amen? And you've got to realize, I want to help you this morning. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God ain't mad at you. God, you are God's best option. God has no other option. You are God's option. You are, and God needs you as you need God. Listen, I need God. Man, I need Him. But God needs you. God needs you. God is saying, please make some influence today because I need your help. Because if I could come down to do it myself, I mean, if we could get everybody in the city in this church, would we not have them here? But we can't do that. God has to draw them. But we have the responsibility to shine that light to them. Man, God needs you. God, God sent me to tell you, man, we've got to be aware. That word came up as I was praying. We've got to be more aware of the, of the opportunity around us. And, and, and if we can be real honest, most of the time we miss opportunity because we're so much focused on us. Now, nobody likes to hear that because I, I, have, I have to change my thinking in that too. But a lot of times we miss opportunity because we're so focused on, on us. Not that we don't need to be concerned with us, but the Bible says don't be so concerned with the other, yourself, but, but be uh, concerned with the interests of others as well. The city needs revival. The city needs revival. And you don't have to have a lot of people to bring it. Twelve disciples turn the world upside down. There's more than twelve people here. There's way more than twelve people here. You don't need a lot of numbers to do something. You just need somebody who's committed and said, man, I'll do it. God, I will go wherever you tell me to go. I will go and lay hands on whoever, whenever. I will give money to whoever you tell me to go. I will buy. I'll just be obedient. If you'll just be obedient... This place will fill up. You are the church. Church is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's not just Sunday. Church is not just Sunday and Wednesday. Church is every single day. And the more we start realizing you are the church, the more influence we'll bring. Amen? So what does revival mean? It means to bring back to life or consciousness. To give new strength or spirit to. To raise up again. Did you know that there were dead people walking around you everywhere? I know the whole zombie thing's going on, you know, and all these things. But I'm not talking about that kind of dead. But just because you're breathing doesn't mean you're alive. You know, um, anybody know what a, uh, a defibrillator is? You know, I tried to get one of those a couple of weeks ago to use it in my sermon. It was very hard to track down. But a defibrillator is whenever, you know, when someone is dead, their heart stops beating. And it's really funny because I looked at the definition or what a defibrillator does, and it sounds so great. It says it gives therapeutic doses of electrical energy to the heart. See, it sounds so calm and just therapeutic doses to the heart. But, yeah, in those movies, they don't look very therapeutic. Okay, right, but it says, but you know that they are brought out in the cases of declared emergencies? Church, there is a declared emergency in your city, and we should be like defibrillators shocking people every day by the way we live. 
Shocking them with your patience. Shocking them with your love. Shocking them with your forgiveness. Shocking them with, with your open heart. Shocking them with the fact that it's not about me, it's about you. That word, when you start shocking people, they wake up and notice. And we are to be like defibrillators everywhere we go, bringing people back to life. Opportunity, church. Opportunity. Opportunity. We should shock them. When they talk about you, that you respect them. When your boss rags on you, and talk, when, you, when, you're, when your girlfriend, boyfriend talks behind your back, how you respect them and love them anyways, you're shocking them. We're shocking them. And I'm telling you, when you start shocking people the way we live, oh man, you start bringing things back to life. And they start realizing, what, what's going on here? Because you should be mad at me, but you forgive me. I stole from you, but you love me. Shocking people. We should be shocking people. Not in a bad way. Not like, not, like, not like pop culture shocks us, you know. You know, with all these artists who just, unfortunately, have so much talent, but they don't know what they're using it for. And they're shocking the world. You know, you've seen them. VMAs, all these things are shocking. But how much more to believe it? Should we shock this world with righteousness and kingdom living? Jesus shocked the world and he brought things back to life. Sick people should be healed at your hand. Go out into all the world and preach the gospel. They don't care about your sermons. They care about your lifestyle. They care about your lifestyle. Sermon's great, but it's not about what you preach. It's what you live and how you do and how you act. Come on. See, when, you, when we start acting like, man, where I go, God goes, they don't change your friends, your family, your coworkers, everything. Let me give you this little tidbit. You want to stand out? Go to Philippians 2.14. Got this verse for you. Philippians 2.14. I never saw this before, but man, you want to stand out in this world? Don't complain. Bible says this. Do all things without complaining and disputing. I'll read that again. Do all things, all things. That means even the things you don't like. You say, man, God, use me. God is saying, okay, I'll use you. Do this. Do all things without complaining and disputing on your job. When your boss tells you to do something, and you know the only reason they're telling you to do it is because they don't want to do it, the Bible says do it without complaining. When that person treats you wrong and asks you to do something, but you know their motives are wrong, do it without complaining. Next verse, next verse. And what will happen? That you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a Crooked and perverse generation, which is, our generation is crooked and perverse. But watch what happens when you just not complain. You say, God, God can use me when I complain. Yeah, it says, then among whom you will shine as lights to the world. The Bible says you are the light of this world and your lifestyle is preaching to them. And when you just not complain and you just go with it and you just say, you know what, God, you're going to take care of this. Even when you know you've been backstabbed and wrong, when you just not complain and you have a joyful attitude at all times, when you say, the joy of the Lord is my strength, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I'm full of joy, and I'm going to rejoice, and no matter what happens, I'm going to act like God would, the Bible says you will shine. You will shine. See, sometimes we get wrong, we look for the sermons, and we forget, man, you are a sermon. You are the church, church. You are the church. You are anchor faith, Valdosta. Not the building, you are. We come here together, we don't forsake the assembly, but you are the church. You are the hope of this world. You are the answer. It's called Jesus in you. When people are sick, you should be laying your hands on them. When people need advice, dear Lord, we should be giving them biblical advice. When people need someone to listen, we should be people to listen. When people have problems, we should say, man, I'm Radio Shack. I've, I've got problems. you got problems. i got answers. Radio Shack promises they have answers. No, we have the answers. His name is Jesus. We have the answer, church. We have the answer. Come on, say, I am the answer. I am, come on, the answer. You are the answer. You are the answer. You are the answer. The world's got problems. Boom.
Boom. That's why you were created. I'm a problem solver. I don't know everything, but I know somebody who does. And that's why I don't get on heart. Oh, no, no. See, God in me. God in me. Lord, my coworker needs some help. What am I supposed to say? Because the Bible says sometimes you might not know what to say, but don't worry. For at that time, the Holy Spirit will fill his mouth with your words. I'm sorry, fill your mouth with his words. Use that scripture all the time. I stand on it all the time. Because how many people have been asked, hey, what am I supposed to do here? It may come for you advice. And at that time, when they need advice, we can, the Bible says, don't worry about what you're going to say. For at that time, the Holy Spirit will give you words. And you ever said something and realized, that was God. It's because you were led by him and you yielded to him. Hallelujah. So much more, but let me just uh, give you a couple more verses. I just, man, I, I, was, I just want you to know, man, how much opportunity you guys have. It starts with us. It starts with us. It starts with us. It's not your pastor's job to grow the church. It's not this staff's job to grow the church. Their job is to do what they're called to do. But you are the church. And this church will grow when you start living the church out on the field. I'm telling you. You can bring the fire and revival of God to this city through your lifestyle. You are lights to this world. And you've got to realize God needs you. Man, God needs you. I mean, God is just, God needs you. God needs me. I mean, God, and, and, and where we're at right now is, a, you know, and we're doing a thing right now that God needs us there at that time. And I can't look for the future and say, well, God, I want to, do, God needs me now. God needs us, man. Church, God needs us. And I, I can't tell you how important it is because we will all bow our knee before God one day. And God's going to say, I needed you. Well, God, I needed you. Well, God, I, I worked. I worked at Publix. I needed you. Well, God, I just went to church. You know, I'm not called to ministry. I needed you. God used a fisherman. God don't care about your occupation. God cares about your heart. And you don't have to be a preacher of some church to win people to the Lord. That's our, what's our job here. Our job really here is to disciple them. Your job is to bring them. Now we'll do outreaches as the Lord leads. Yes, yes. But you are. The best advertisement this church can have. It's not the, the programs and, and, and thank God for these things. But the best program is you. You are the best word of mouth testimony this church can have. Is when they say, you know, there's a person at my job. And they just seem to be positive all the time. And they just seem to be happy. And they're very kind and they're compassionate. And they actually work as unto the Lord. They don't complain. And they don't cut quarters. They actually have integrity. Where, uh, they go to Anchor Faith Church by Dosta. Business owners. Integrity. Integrity. How you act on the job. You're preaching. You're preaching. And I had to remind myself this all the time because when I worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, I was a manager. I had employees under me. And I have many, many opportunities to cut corners. And you guys know what that means. Cutting corners. Well, I mean, I know it's this way, but I could do this and get the same profit. So I'm, gonna, I'm preaching to my coworkers. I'm supposed to be a pastor. We're preaching, guys. We're preaching. We live in a big glass bowl. When you say that you follow Jesus, people are watching you and they're looking for truth because they want truth because this world has no answers. This world promises something and it leaves you empty. The world is promising. They got oh, the, you and you know, the world promises peace and security and happiness. But outside of Christ, there is no outside of relationship with God. We were all created to, to serve God and follow him. So, as I told you earlier, spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7. Let me encourage you, because I never saw this until recently. 
And God showed me. He said, that has nothing to do with just being scared of bad things, which we can use that verse. And, you know, in fear. I remember one time when I was, I was probably uh, five or six, and it's so funny how you remember things. I was in the bathtub, right? And uh, I remember, I'll just show you what I was doing. I remember because I was on my knees and kind of playing in the water. I know this is so stupid, but I was playing in the water, and I was so fearful that, you know, a monster was going to come and get me, right? Come on, you guys had monsters as a little kid, right? You, you know, something's going to come out of the closet, you know, whatever. But I'm saying, I guess it's the bath monster. I don't know. But I'm, I remember. I remember. And I learned that scripture verse, you know, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And I'm, you know, I'm messing with the water and my mom's in the room and there's the doors open, but it's dark. I'm like, you know, kind of doing these things, you know, having a bad time, but thinking someone's going to, monster's going to get me. And I remember just saying, God has not given me a spirit of fear, power, love and a sound mind. And the peace of God just came over me, even as a young kid. And so we can use that in fear. But you know, that verse is not just when bad things happen. I'll show you. Second Timothy 1, 7 says this. Um... What do you got up there? Yeah. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Let's keep going. Therefore. Therefore. So he, he's, he's keep on going. He's not just saying, okay, that's it. No. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ before time began. See, it's more than just fear. Next verse. Here we go. But, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ, who has abolished death and have brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. Next verse. To which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle. Okay, that's a different chant. Oh, mine says something different. What verse do you want? Uh, got another one? Ah, there we go. There we go. There we go. Verse 12, right? For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am what? Not ashamed, for I know who I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed until this day. I'm not ashamed. In other words, Paul was telling Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed to live for God. Don't be ashamed to stand up for righteousness. Don't be ashamed to do the right thing. Because why? Because God has not given you a spirit of fear, which means the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. That means where you go, God goes. And you can have confidence to share the gospel. Have confidence to lay hands on the sick. Have confidence to step out in faith as God tells you to. Because where you go, God goes. And God needs us, church. God needs us. Man, God needs you to send revival and shock people with your lifestyle every single day. And God is telling you, He has not given you a spirit of fear. God is saying, I'm going to go with you. Remember, He told Joshua, don't be fearful, for I'm going with you. Don't be fearful, for I'm going And God says He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Opportunity. Church, come on, you are the church. You are the church. It starts with us. You are the church. And I just want to equip you and compel you to start going out and sharing your faith. Because God would not tell us to command us to do it if we had no success in doing it. He would not say, go out and all the world and preach the gospel, but good luck. No! No! And if you, if you read the very last part of six, uh, verse 615, he says, and the Lord was working with them. The Lord is with you everywhere you go. You sing it this morning. Our God is something for us. Something he's for us, right? Your God, our God is for us, and He's fighting with you, and He's with you everywhere you go, in your jobs, in your house, in the schools, in the hospitals. Oh, God is with you, and He's wanting to get out, and He needs you. You are needed by the King of Kings today. You are needed. You are needed. I'm just encouraging you today. You are needed, church. You're needed. You're needed. You're needed. God sent me to tell you this. You're needed. God wants you aware that you're needed. You are needed. So this is what we're going to do. Let's just take a minute, bow our heads for just a second.
Father, we just thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your anointing this morning. Lord, I pray that the words that I spoke, Lord, Lord, I was very careful to speak your words, Father. Lord, your words this morning. And I know, Lord, that your words bring life. Lord, I pray the words that I spoke this morning, Lord, would shock and get in the heart. And, and Lord, that tomorrow on their job, that they would not just listen to this sermon or remember the sermon, Lord, but they would be the sermon. They would, they would be the light, Father. That they would be the hope. That they would be the, the cure, Father. Lord, they would be the... the the comfort that this world needs, that they would bring, that they would stop the chaos, Father. They would bring order by their life. Lord, because you are the way, the truth, and the life, Father. And there is no life outside of you. Outside of you is chaos, Father. But I thank you, Lord, that this church, Lord, this church realizes today, Lord, that, man, we are the hope of this world. It's Christ in me. It's Christ in me. The Bible says in Ephesians, you can look at me for just a second. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, uh, do you have it up there? Did I give you that verse? Ephesians 1.19, I believe, or 2.19, 6.19, there we go. It says, And for me the utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. God wants you to be bold. God wants you to be bold. And what I have it in my heart to do this morning as we close is I just, I want to pray for you this morning and, and, and hook up with you about boldness. I felt very strong about that, boldness. Because the Bible says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Acts 1 and you will be my what? Witness. See, God wants you to be a witness. Not just a witness, but, a, but see, a witness bear witnesses of the truth, testifies of the truth, and God wants you to have power. And so, I'm going to do two things. Um, you know, if you're here this morning and say, man, I just need some boldness. I want to pray with you. Because the Bible, you know, if you read, as we did in 2 Timothy, the Bible says, stir up the gift within you by laying on of hands. So there is a scripture to lay hands on people. And I want to just encourage you and pray over you that you can begin to walk in the boldness of God. Walk in the boldness of God. Not timid. That's why God has not given you a spirit of t- 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 uh, fear or being timid, but of power. God wants us to be bold. And secondly, if you're here this morning and you've never been baptized, and I, and I really, I know this is God because I don't re- mainly go in this vein, but if you realize, man, I don't have the power, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost evidence of speaking in tongues. It is the power. Acts 1-8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when you receive that power, you'll be my witness. See, God doesn't want you just to be a witness. God wants you to be a witness full of power. So two things. If you're here this morning and say, man, I, you know, I, I pray in the Spirit, but I just, I just need some boldness because I, I feel fear. I, I want to lay hands on you and just agree with you. I don't care if some special man. No, I just want to pray with you because God says that when you lay hands on people, things change. I want to impart some boldness on you. I just want to help impart some boldness. And then the other thing, if you're here you and you don't speak in tongues, you said, man, I, I, I need that. I'm telling you, you need that. You need that. Especially in the way the world is going today. You don't know how to pray. You just pray in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that's power. That's the power. That's the power. That's the power. We can't be ashamed of this. We can't be ashamed of these things because I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. The world needs power and they need the Holy Spirit. And when churches get away from the Holy Spirit, they get away from power. But we want power. Jesus was very clear. He said, before I leave, don't you? He goes, Terry. Jesus was very important and very specific about the Holy Spirit. He said, whatever you do, do not leave until you've been to do with power. If Jesus took it seriously, shouldn't we take it seriously? So those two things, if you're here, and I'll, and I'll, I'll find out who you are uh, whenever I pray with you. Baby, you want to pray with me? It'd be great. 
Um, if you're here and say, man, I need boldness or I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit today and, and I want you to pray with me and lay hands on me that I would uh, do that, I want you to stand up and come down right now. And I want you just to come. Who cares if people are looking because, man, we just want God. Amen? else say, man, I need boldness. I need some boldness. Come on, I'm telling you. If you realize, man, I should be standing up there, I encourage you to get up here because God has an impartation for you today. Not me, God. And I believe when God says you need to say this, that man, God will show up. And so I'm going to leave it open for just a couple more minutes. If you're here and say, man, I just need some boldness. I need some boldness. I need you to encourage. I want to be prayed for that I can have boldness. Then this altar's open. This altar's open. Because, man, God wants to fill you with His boldness this morning. Boldness. I'll just say it this way. If you know that you're not acting and living the way God intended you to live on your job, and you need boldness, then you need to come and let me pray with you. Because, man, God wants to give you an impartation of boldness today. Boldness. 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 I want more of you, God. Yeah, I want more. 